Well, good morning. Good morning. I love worshiping with House of God. So you just look around here, and we've got some beautiful people. You want to turn to each other and say, you're beautiful? No. <laughs> yeah, Brett, Brett's... <laughs> I, Brett said we all should turn and say, I'm beautiful. But <laughs> Okay, so if you've been around a while, you know that I like to share uh, we uh, joke to have some fun together. And these, those of you are my friends on Facebook. Uh, you read this. So this one, I, in order to really get it right, I have to read it. Two brothers led a miserable life. They were, how many have a brother? So you might want to save this joke for fun. They were self-centered, money-grubbing, mean-spirited, intolerant scoundrels. One of them died. His brother could not convince one minister to do his brother's funeral. So he offered a big, large amount of money to any minister who would do it. The one requirement was that the minister must call his dead brother a saint. One minister accepted the offer. In the eulogy the minister shared, I have to tell you the truth. This man who died was a liar, a bully, a cheat, and a thief. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> so, now I know some of you would be disappointed if I didn't tell it, Oli Lena or Oli Svenjo. So again, uh, Oli and Oli and, and Sven, they're really good friends. And Sven says to Oli one day, my wife doesn't understand me. Does yours? And Oli said, my wife, Lena, doesn't even know you. <laughs> oh, well. My one post after that was out was a groaner. So sometimes I warn people before I tell a joke. The, there's a tradition in the Orthodox Church that the, the Monday after the resurrection, when the, the, really Jesus got the best of Satan, defeated him on the cross, and kind of laughed at the enemy, is that Monday was the day to tell jokes. It's kind of an interesting tradition for the Orthodox Church. But <clears throat> I thought, as I was praying about what to teach on <clears throat> this Sunday, I was... I was just kind of tired of all the Halloween movies. <laughs> I don't know if you're on Amazon Prime. I mean, people really like to be scared, I guess. And so and I think Halloween is a great time to have a to, <clears throat> to have party. And children, of course, love it. And I think we've learned now that we the kids don't have to wear scary costumes to do Halloween. But it is, not a, it is not an event which celebrates the kingdom of God or Jesus. It kind of gives a lot of attention to darkness. And uh, so actually it has a reformation. Uh, the October 31st is a great day in the life of Lutherans. That, it's called the, you know, that's why we call this Reformation Sunday. And it's, um, and because uh, that was the day that Luther put posted those 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church in Germany. 
to say, let's have a conversation about some things that need to be looked at in the church. Judy and I actually saw the Wittenberg door on one of our trips to Germany. But uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to teach on the, the, this battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And a mighty fortress, we, which we sang this morning, is a great victory song. A mighty fortress is our God. And, but the, if you don't want to end to that, you, <laughs> some people get in big trouble if you end that hymn in the first verse, 229. If you want to look at that in your Bible, I mean your Bible, it's a hymn, no. Um, a mighty fortress is our God, 229. A sword and shield victorious. Again, here's the victory theme. Christ is victor. And we sang, this is the feast of what? Victory for our God. The lamb who was slain has begun his reign. And so the Reformation really is a, is a proclamation of the victory of, of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. And we have different views of the atonement, of what happened when Jesus gave his life to atone for our sins. Of course, it's for forgiveness of sins. It's a beautiful picture of how much God loves us. But in the, in the teaching of Luther and the Reformation, the, the, the primary focus was on Christ as victor over sin, death, and the power of the devil. Um, remember what you memorized for the Apostles' Creed, second article? Second article is where I believe in Jesus Christ. Luther wanted to explain it for children. He wrote this catechism and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, Son of the Father from eternity, true man born of the Virgin Mary is my Lord at great cost. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, not with silver and gold, but with his precious body and his holy blood by which he has set me free. He has freed me. Get the theme of freedom from sin, death, and the power of the devil. And so we have this uh, part of our charism, I call it. I think each body of the believers has a charism. It's like a gift that um, when you go to a, the Anglican Church and the Catholic Church, the Eucharist is really celebrated, and we celebrate the Eucharist, of course, here with Jesus' real presence. There's a charism of the Pentecostal Church, which really has focused and helped us highlight the Holy Spirit. We have, we have other denominations, but Lutherans, our charism is, is word alone, faith alone, grace alone. And, but the theme of the Reformation was Christ's victor. And so in the first verse of Mighty Fortress, the, la the last line, he arms himself to fight. Now he's talking about the old satanic flow. He arms himself to fight. On earth he has no equal. Now, you don't want to end this hymn with the first verse <laughs> because then you go on to talk about how the word, the, though hordes of devils fill the land, all threatening to undo us, devour us, we tremble not, we not unmoved we stand. They cannot overpower us. Let this world's tyrant rage, who's that? The devil in, in battle will engage. His might is doomed to fail. God's only son adored he holds the field victorious. And, so, and then, of course, the last word, God's word forever shall abide. No thanks to foes, we're in a battle, who fear it, for God himself fights. It's, it's a fight by our side with weapons of the spirit. Now, how many grew up with a red hymnal? 
I just have to give a little comment. Anybody raise your hand. So in the Lutheran church, you know, we know <laughs> which season, we, which decade we live by the, by the color of the hymnal. <laughs> so this church decided we want the green book. And the new one is a red book, another red book. But they, they rewrote the Mighty Fortress. Well, it's mostly the same. But instead of weapons of the spirit, it, it reads the spirit and the gifts are, are ours. Well, you know me, I like Holy Spirit and I like gifts of the spirit. But anyway, so they, these enemy, they cannot win the day, the kingdom's ours forever. So um, here we go. I, I, I thought, well, Joe, you're going you're gonna to deal with some things that may be new in terms of the powers of darkness. I thought I would start with a wonderful song I just learned this past month, Is He Worthy? It's in the words are in your, your notes, but I'm going to read it from Scripture. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure what goes on here, but I don't know any verse of Scripture. When I, when I read it, I weep with the people in heaven. So here it goes in Revelation 5. Um, and they sang a note, let's see. Well, I'll start with verse 1. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. The scroll is kind of a symbol of God's purpose and God's having his kingdom, his way uh, done on earth. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth, under the earth, could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and his seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, the lamb who is looking as if he had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He, he came, he took the scroll and sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the lamb. He had, each one had a harp. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain. With your blood you were ransomed. You ransomed, you set free men, men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. So look at the words for the song, He is Worthy. And as we, you might want to follow along, just read it if you, or you don't, you'll, I think you'll be able to understand it, the words without uh, actually reading from your outline. Let's go ahead.
So look at the words with me. Is he worthy? That is a link to this uh, YouTube. I guess I won't help you unless you see it. <laughs> It'll be posted in a week or so on the website. Do you feel the world is broken? How many would feel the world is broken? I mean, just, ah. Oh. 
We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? <laughs> so good news. We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made noon? We do. Is all creation groaning? Romans 8. J.B. Phillips' translation says, all of creation is on tiptoe, anticipating the freedom for the sons and redemption of, the, of creation. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole worthy? Is anyone able to break the seal, open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the land, he's David's root, and the Lamb who died to ransom the slaves. There it is, to free us from sin, death, and the power of devil from sickness. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? He's worthy of this. He is. Does the Father truly love us? Say it with me. He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. So some thoughts again with you today on this battle, a major theme in the New Testament, a clash between the kingdom of God and the dominion of Satan. And your pastor, Sean, how many, did you see, preach more than one sermon on now and not yet, Sean? So I'm hoping this is new, or at least con confirming what you've taught, I'm sure it would. But I find this illustration I put in your outline is a, a way to understand the now and the not yet. And so uh, you'll see that in the beginning with the fall, we have, there was a promise in, in Genesis 3 that uh, for, you know, defeat of Satan, it's, it's not real clear, but it's there. But we have with the first coming of Christ that his life, death, and resurrection, Satan was defeated. He was chained. Now, some people say he had a long, it's got a long chain, <laughs> but... Uh, Victory was not completed. Satan was defeated and the resurrection. And so we have this, we live in the time in this present evil age. And we live in an age which angels and you and I as human beings are free to choose. That means you and I and the angels, human beings, are free to choose evil. And so we have the presence of this evil age along with the age to come that began with the resurrection. So the age to come would be the kingdom, the presence of the kingdom. And so that means when you ask for forgiveness of sins today, you ain't waiting long to get, get it, right? It's there. When we receive the Eucharist and reminded of body and blood of Christ given for us, we don't wonder, well, did he, is it, we have to wait till tomorrow for it to happen. No, man, it's, it's with us. The presence of the kingdoms here today, and so we can. We are. That's really good news. That is the that what we're talking about. The age to come. In two Corinthians four, Paul calls this the God of this age is the devil. Um, Jesus' message on your to the right of your picture there was this, at last the fulfillment of the age to come, the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. 
TPT is a passion translation. Have any of you looked at it yet? Because I have mentioned it. You need something like Bible Gateway to find it. It's a wonderful paraphrase. So in the future, if I ever have TPT, I'm talking about the Passion Translation. The Lord Jesus Christ, this is from Galatians, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. So there's a rescue that's happened. We have tasted the, of the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come from Hebrews. Christ is exalted far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, not only in this present age, now the age between the now and the not yet, but also in the age to come. This is one of the favorite prayers I prayed for my children growing up, especially teenage years. I'm not asking you, this is, in some ways, the Lord's Prayer. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. We pray that, don't we? Keep our children safe. That's what Jesus prayed, protect them from the evil one. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. We're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers, authorities, unseen world, against mighty powers of darkness who rule in this world, and against spirits in the heavenly realms. We Realms. We are in a spiritual warfare. And uh, that's real, just reality. But the, the enemy is defeated, and we have the authority and power, from Luke we'll look at, to, to defeat or overcome the enemy. In Jesus Christ, we are rescued from the one who rules in the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom. We are ransomed with his blood and forgiven. At the return of Christ, when he ushers in the fullness of the kingdom of God, Satan will be eternally destroyed. Um, so you wouldn't, most Lutherans wouldn't ask one another, are you saved? But you might hear that in a Baptist church. Uh, it's not a bad question. Are you saved? And <laughs> we could have fun saying, no, yes, or yes, no. <laughs> no, yes. I mean, okay, no, not, I'm saved now, but not yet. The not yet is that the, 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 there is an enemy we have, and bat, so we're not saved totally from Satan and, and the works of darkness. Now, I, I've shared with you before, I, I like to say the kingdom is here. How much, you, I like focusing on the kingdom is here because we tend to, to, you know, we look at the not yet to help kind of as an escape clause when our prayers don't work, or, which is not bad. I mean, so there's an understanding we have when we pray for the kingdom of God to come, and we'll sing it today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. That's a wonderful prayer. If you want, if you're sleepy at night, just pray that prayer, the short prayer, the kingdom of God to come. But why do we pray it for it to come? Well, it's not here fully in my life, just as it's being done in heaven. And point two in your outline. In the same breath, Jesus commanded his disciples to go and preach and teach the kingdom of God. He gave his disciples authority to cast out demons and heal the sick. We read that from Luke 10 and 9 and 10. The Gospels contain seven specific accounts of Jesus casting evil spirits out of individuals. 
But if I drive out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When Jesus' first miracle in Mark, uh, <clears throat> uh, he was in the temple. He was in church. And in the middle of the worship service, a man comes up, a person comes up and says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? It was demonized. <laughs> I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Satan knows who the Jesus is. Jesus answered, yes, I've come to destroy you. When I was pastoring at Grace in Huntington Beach, um, uh, we had weekly staff meetings, and almost every week it seems like we would introduce ourselves just give our name again, what, what's our ministry <laughs> in the church? And, I've, and uh, just for fun, sometimes I would say, I'm Pastor Joe, I heal the sick and kick out demons. <laughs> and so that's my job description. Um, so let's keep going. Demons, number three in the, your back of your, in our fallen angels. We just read that. Uh, from Revelation 12, this dragon was hurled down. Now, how does, a, how does a devil get permission to move into our lives? And how could Satan ever have a legal right to have some influence in my life? Because I've been rescued. In your anger, do not sin and do not give the devil a foothold. So the same scripture from Ephesians 4 talks about make sure you're forgiving one another. The devil had no hold on Jesus. The ruler of the world is coming, we read from John, but he has no power over me, for he has nothing to use against me. In other words, does the devil have anything on you? Any legal right? Any ways that you are, I have given permission somehow to be influenced by the powers of darkness? Well, there are five ways that we can give permission in our battle for our soul. And I, that's an acronym for these five ways. And the first is through repeated sin. Sins are repeated. Spirits get attached to habitual sins, lust, sins of iniquity. I talked about that. That's this twisting about something being deformed. We kind of all have, we, we are born with some iniquity. There's some deformity in terms of we don't have all the relational skills. We don't have the some of the things that we we need, we're going to need in our life because of sins and iniquity which we inherit. It's a deformity that comes as swin, sin twists a person or culture. Gets misshapen or deformed when I'm living in a setting where there is happening. So we live in a culture today which has a lot of iniquity. Sin is also falling short of the mark, missing the targets, also willfully crossing a line. <clears throat> so I think it maybe is around four years ago. I had a, somebody came to me for counseling. I'll call his name Bill, engineer, you know, really doing well. <clears throat> and he, uh, his wife, has found out that he he had been looking uh, to the house next door and committing voyeur, which has something called voyeurism. He's watching the woman in the bathroom next door, and his wife found out. And so she said, she threatened a divorce, and he was scared. And so he was pretty broken, and I prayed for him. 
to share Jesus' love. And as I was praying for him, I just told any spirit of voyeurism or lust to just leave and pray that he be filled with the Spirit. And he came back the next month. He was so happy. And he said, it's gone. And so now, since that time, about twice a year, he comes just to be reminded and, and uh, kind of be, kind of get a little more capacity, spiritual, emotional capacity to keep fighting the good fight. But it was something real happened when I just told whatever, maybe, I'm not sure how I even prayed for him. I just commanded any darkness or whatever to leave. I didn't explain anything. It just and, and, and then filled with the Spirit, man, he was overwhelmed with Jesus. Number two, we can give permission for influence by darkness, spirits, by, through occult practices. Very important here. In, in ignorance, innocence, or purpose, purposefully seeking to gain knowledge or power from a spiritual source other than God. If you want to write, that's what that's called is idolatry. See, I, idolatry, I define as anything I run to save me other than Jesus. You know, to, you know, give me meaning in my life, save me, have purpose. And um, while I was pastoring in the White Mountains, a wonderful woman came to me that she really uh, was having trouble with depression and and feeling overwhelmed and spiritually, and and so she shared her life, and she was in a deep search, read a lot of New Age books to get meaning for her life, purpose, actually some power, or whatever you call it, and to help her. And so when we when I found that out, we did some a lot of different New Age practices, uh, but she was reading the books. I'm not sure exactly how she was involved, but as I prayed for her. I broke the power of any spirit of new age over her life and released her from that. And uh, I spoke hope to her heart, and she was healed or set free. So there, there's some reality here that I share in terms of my life. I pastored four and a half decades, so I had a lot of experience praying deliverance. I really don't focus on that when I'm counseling. I just check out if there, what happened in my life is that I couldn't get free from guilt over my father's death. Somehow I felt it was my fault. My prayers didn't save him. And so I was praying with a counselor or a counselor or pastor was praying with me, Missouri Synod Lutheran. And I, and, and he, I was talking about how guilty I felt. And he said, how long are you going to feel guilty about not your, your father dying? And I said, I, as long as I live. And so he just kicked out a spirit of guilt. <coughs> and I couldn't, I know I couldn't, I woke up the next morning and I thought, I don't feel guilty. And I kept thinking, well, can Christians have been demonized or have some influence of the spirit? And I was interviewing everybody. This was 1970s to find out some help. Now we know a lot more about and other, any, any demon can't come reside in my spirit. That's where Jesus is. But there's some influence that powers of darkness can have over us. And, and so that was a journey for me that I have continued to pursue. I've got there a Ouija or Ouija board. How many of you played with a Ouija board? A few of you? Don't fear, but <laughs> be afraid. But Ouija board's surprising how 
don't know if you've experienced that it works, but here's the idea. We can innocently open up our hearts, our lives, to other powers without even knowing we're doing it. So I, I, I'll tell you how to pray about that if that happened. A lot of people tell me that they were involved in table lifting, surprisingly, when they were kids. Anybody? Did you do that? So, I mean, it, and it works. So we have these occult practices. Some are Freemasonry is a, is a big one, if it was in your ancestors. I don't know if you know about rituals that Freemasons, the Masons go through in terms of, I mean, they worship Lucifer. And, uh, I mean, you're very, you, if you have family that's involved with Freemasonry, if you have, you know, no condemnation, or some, you probably could have been involved with not even knowing there were these influences or roots. But it's, um, it's kind of opening the doorway through the practices and the rituals that you can uh, have some influence in your life and through ancestors. I know the worship leader in our, our, uh, in our team in Grace in Huntington Beach, she got healed of uh, allergies when she went, had the uh, deliverance prayer about Freemasonry. Unforgiveness is the biggie. If you want to just for, not even take a look at anything else, but you know what it's like to hold on to, on, hold on to unforgiveness. And the, one of the words that explains this, uh, or the scriptures that teaches this, is this beautiful parable of Jesus where he, you know, he had, he was, um, this guy came to him to, he was forgiving debts for uh, things that people have had, that they owed. And this guy owed a, a huge debt, and he forgave him all of it. And then he came out, he went out, and there was a friend of his, like he owed him $10, and he wouldn't forgive him. And he held on to his, this unforgiveness, and in the parable Jesus tells, it was he, uh, the king handed him over to the tormentors. And, that's, and so it was like, you, you want to get tormented, hold on to unforgiveness. And it can become a foothold, I think, in our life of bitterness and bitter judgments. And those of you who are familiar with AA, they say we can never afford to hold on to resentments. We're in deep trouble. Number four, lies from wounds which become strongholds. I've taught a little bit about that. What is the biggest lie of the father wound? It's, uh, it's I'm on my own. And I pretty much, I think it's the biggest wound of any, lie of any wound. I'm on my own. I, I have to protect myself because I, and I have to pretend it doesn't hurt. I have to some way or I'll never trust the man or all these vows we make because of the lies. I'm on my own. So it's all on me. And so... Uh, we look at those lies and we renounce them. The biggest uh, big lie that many make, I will never be like, I mean, the vow we make, I'll never be like Dad. I'll never be like my father. And pretty much uh, you can guarantee any vow that you made, you will become like your father in some way if you make that vow. And so we were, I'll, I'll talk about what we do. We, we take every thought captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We make vows to protect ourselves from we wouldn't need a vow if we haven't been wounded. Then we have the lineage or our ancestors. We can inherit things generationally. We know that now everybody is taking that DNA test. How many of you taking the Okay. 
I don't want to take it because I don't want to find out that I'm not Norwegian. <laughs> it's kind of, it's fun. We're interested in the, in the influence of our ancestors. And so there are things that we can inherit. Uh, sins of iniquity and a lot of, uh, if, and, uh, you know, if there's been participation in certain sins of immorality, of, of unfaithfulness, of abuse, of addictions, called generational spirits. So, well, I have a story, but I'm not going to tell it. So, uh, steps to freedom in Christ. Demons are like rats which hang around garbage. If you remove the garbage, the rats leave. Well, sometimes you've got to tell them. The rats, aren't, the rats are attracted, get attached to the garbage. So the strength of the darkness in our life is the garbage. And so we, go, we don't go out kicking out demons. We don't go looking for them to find out if they're around. It's just crazy if, you know, if you've got a mosquito that gets inside your screen door, you slap that baby, but you don't run out into the forest and see how many mosquitoes we can kill. So something shows up in my life that seems to be hurt, something where I don't get free or it has some influence on my life, I may, uh, it may be generational. It had nothing to do with it. Um, and, and we can be freed from that. Emmanuel healing or healing prayer is real important because that goes after the wounds. But here, and what happens when we heal the wounds that it weakens any attachment to darkness in our lives. There's, and then we have the four C's, confess, cancel, command, and commit. So you can look at those, read those, um, and pray them over your life. I confess, I agree with God. What I may, anyways I have given permission, or my ancestors gave permission to the enemy. Confess I've been involved in, please forgive me, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness, and so doing, I forgive myself. I cancel any permission or rights given to evil spirits to be attached or have influence on my life. I cut off any legal ground the enemy have, may have their lineage, my ancestors. I confess my participation in, and whatever we participated in. I renounce my participation in the sin and ask Jesus to cancel the permission was given to the enemy. In Jesus' name, I command every demon who took advantage of the ground to leave and go where the Lord Jesus sends you. I think you, you wouldn't have remembered this, but when you were baptized as a baby, your mom and dad and your sponsors, your godparents, together, and the whole congregation maybe with you, said, I renounce the devil, all his works and all his ways. Yeah, or I think a new translation, I Renounce all the forces of evil, the devil, and all his empty promises. I don't think you have to do that every day. Okay. Oh, man, I've got to make sure. Some people say, we well, got to put on the full armor in Ephesians 6. And I like to I mean, I, I want to take it seriously, what they're doing. But I say, well, I never took it off. <laughs> I don't want to. I've got to put it on again. So maybe I did take it off. I command any demons to leave now and go where Jesus sends you. And I commit my life to Christ, surrender to him as Lord, and ask Holy Spirit to fill me. Now, a lot of this is new, I'm sure, and, and you wonder, wait a minute, Joe, I wonder what you're talking about here. And so I would just take whatever, you eat the meat and spit out the bones, 
whatever is helpful for you. And, um, but when we sing the Lord's Prayer today, and we sing, deliver us from evil, we're not just talking to the air, right? We're talking to the powers of darkness, to the evil one. Deliver us. And so I haven't done deliverance in quite a while. I guess I'm not sure why. Um, but I still pray for my children, the prayer of Jesus. Protect them from the evil one. Keep them safe. Sometimes I would pray, cancel any, I cancel any plan of the enemy for my kids. And I cancel any, <laughs> and I bless all that you're blessing Jesus, and I just say, no way to anything that's harmful that would hurt them. In some ways, I, so I dedicate to what you want for them, and I cancel any other plans of the enemy for their life. So let's pray. So glad, Jesus, that I get to share today with people who uh, are wanting kingdom life and who, who are wanting to grow and learn. And Thank you, Jesus, uh, for all the ways that people have protected us through their prayers. I bless the prayers of parents here as you, through your intercession, keep your children safe from the enemy. Thank you that we are dedicated, Jesus, to your, to your kingdom and your purposes for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.